Jesus Freaks, Volume 2, Part 7 If we Christians don't continue to share the gospel and push the envelope, the envelope will close in on us. If we maintain the silent witness, there will be no witness and Christianity will die in America. Ray Thorne, a missionary to the persecuted church. Sowing God's Word, Rosa, Cuba, 1999. I was born into a communist home where no one could even mention the word God. I remember being a little girl looking at a huge picture of Fidel Castro, the leader of the Cuban Revolution, in my living room. My parents are atheist. My father used to be a representative of a very important organization called the Communist Youth Union. Now he is in the Cuban Communist Party leadership. My mother is secretary of the Revolution Defense Committee. In summary, my home is a communist nest. However, my great-grandmother loves God, and she has been faithful to God through all these years. She used to talk to me about the Lord, and she sowed the seeds of the Lord's Word. On several occasions, I tried to go to church with her, but my parents did not allow me to go. Years later, my parents divorced. Then my mother allowed me to go to church without my father's permission. Anyway, when I was 12, my mother tried to get me away from the Lord, organizing and inviting me to parties. I went away from the Lord living that way, but my great-grandmother persevered in praying for me. One day I went to church and received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. My life started to change. Even my way of dress changed totally. My mother did not accept it. She never beat me before, but now she does often. When my father learned that I was a Christian, he told me to choose God or him. I chose the Lord because I have understood that he is the only thing really worth for me, really worthy for me. I know that God is faithful, and he cares for me, and he is going to do wonderful things for my family. My mother got married again to another communist man. He had a five-year-old son. They don't allow me to talk to him about the Lord or to go to church, but I talked to him about the love of God anyway. Sometimes I listen to him praising the Lord. Now, even though I am only 14, I study far away from my home. When I first came to this place, I was the only Christian, but I have sown God's word and now we are four. We meet under a tree, hidden, to share God's word. We feel the presence of the Lord in such a special way. We keep sowing and waiting that soon we will be many. God is faithful. He never forsakes his children. Please, pray for me. It is not easy to follow the Lord in a country so hostile to him, where opposition comes not only from the system, but from our homes. Our parents are blinded in this atheistic system and do not understand that we grow and make our own personal decisions. Mine is Jesus Christ. I will be faithful even at the price of death. People may call themselves revolutionaries. But they don't realize that without God, they change nothing. All they do is perpetuate, perpetrate, perpetuate, perpetrate, perpetuate, my apologies. They continue a world of hatred and strife. One dictator replaces another. One system of corruption and exploitation replaces another system. One set of devils is replaced by another set of devils. Things can go on this way for hundreds of years at a time. They go on, that is, until someone is willing to stand up and get God involved. Then things really begin to change. 
Hatred is replaced by forgiveness. Strife is replaced by brotherly love and a helping hand. Oppression is replaced by freedom, and evil men to fear are replaced by God-fearing men to follow. In the wake of a godly revolution, the world is set upside right again. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses the life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, has an established position, the rawn of the house. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. Christ, John 8, 31 through 32 and 34 through 36 from the Message Bible. A Time to Speak Out Timothy Ephesus, A.D. 98. Great is Diana of the Ephesians! The masked revelers screamed and shouted as they made their way through the streets of Ephesus, banging their sticks on the ground, a wall, or a passing cart to make noise, and dancing before the statue of the god they were celebrating. The feast of Catagonia was a major moneymaker for the craftsmen and pagan priests of the area, so there was always great support in the community of the festivities surrounding that day. Great support, that is, among all but the growing Christian church in Ephesus. Timothy, now the elderly pastor of that church, hardly paid attention to the event. In fact, he had forgotten that it would be taking place on that day as he walked down the street. He was more concerned with the growing pressure on the church because of Emperor Diocletian's recent exile of the Apostle John to the island of Patmos. That was not far to the southwest, and the growing tension in the community between the pagans and Christians as a result. Timothy remembered what the church had gone through under Nero. He had, in fact, been present at Paul's imprisonment and execution in Rome, and it looked like the church would be going through much of the same under Diocletian. So when Timothy turned the corner and walked right into the procession of revelers, he was more appalled than ever at the foolishness of it. Brothers and sisters, why do you worship and sacrifice to a statue made with human hands? That is no God. When the true God of all sent his own son, that you could know him and the joy of his righteousness. This partying is foolishness and destructive. Why celebrate a dead statue and give place to your lust when you can know the God of heaven and the real joy of walking in his ways? One of the priests at the lead came forward and roughly pushed Timothy out of the way. Leave us alone, old man. We will do as we please. Yet the procession had stopped, and it was obvious some in the crowd were wondering at what Timothy had said. So Timothy continued, Do as you please, and what if what pleases you is a trap? What if is it a bond that will take your life from you before you even lived and chain you to regret and dissatisfaction? Jesus came that you might have life, and life abundantly. Why accept the chains of sin when you can live free in his spirit? Enough, I said, screamed the priest, bringing his stick down upon Timothy as hard as he could. The others stood and stared. The priest was not caught for a minute, a minute by their wonder. Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Did you not hear what he said? He called Diana a false god and a curse! 
He does not deserve to live. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Kill him! Kill him! And he brought his stick down upon Timothy again. Great is Diana of the Ephesians! Another called behind him, raising his stick along with the priest. The others soon joined in, pounding Timothy with sticks or rocks and then kicking him to the side of the road out of the way to continue their parade. A group of Christians soon collected the bishop and took him to his home to be cared for. Timothy died of the bruises and injuries two days later. There is a time to be quiet, but there is also a time to speak out. If a friend is not looking about to trip over something in her path, isn't it only natural for us to shout out and warn her before she hurts herself? How much more should we yell if we, if she is casually on her way to hell and has no idea that there is something better?